Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now, get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Good morning, Word Nation. This is John Fuller. I am your host. Excited today. We have Jane Morin. Jane, you fired up and ready to go. I am so ready, John. Thank you for asking me to be on the podcast. I'm excited to share what God is doing. Amen to that. Okay, so Roar Nation, Jane is the founder of Jane Morin Evangelical Association. She's the founder of SOAR Texas Women's Events, podcast host for The Secret Place, and is an award-winning author. And Jane has been working in deliverance ministry for over 20 years. She is also a revivalist, a songwriter, and do not forget, Dewey Jane, a worship artist. <laughs> Come on. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So Jane, why don't you tell Roar Nation a little bit about yourself and who you are? Well, uh, you pretty much summed that up a little bit in what God has called me to do. My greatest calling is to equip others in Christ. Second to that is to evangelize and, and reach the very people who do not know how much that Jesus loves them. And in everything that we do, we have a lot of legs to the Jane Morin Evangelical Association. We have the deliverance ministry, which we walk people through. You probably know my partners in that, Ruthie Dickey, Cher Butler, yeah. and your beautiful wife. Yes. <laughs> Casey, is, we're all partners in that and work together and doing that. And that ministry is called Bound No More. We are just so excited about what God's doing there. He's bringing people to us from basically all over the world to be set free. And it's humbling to even know that that's happening. But I'm mm -hmm. so grateful that God saw fit to lead us down that road to help us all kind of know each other, meet each other. And also, God has allowed me to open an equipping school called Remnant International Institute. Okay. And that kind of spun off of SOAR Texas Women's Events when we have God put in my heart about, I would say eight years ago, a desire to not just have a woman's conference for the sake of having a woman's conference. Right. <laughs> you know, I wanted it to be a place where women could come in who have gifts and talents and be equipped and we could support them and send them back out and to their communities to serve the Lord. So that school kind of was a spinoff from that where we go deeper. We just dive deeper and, and equip people for different types of ministries. This year, we focused, of course, on inner healing and deliverance. And uh, next year, we'll be focusing on prophecy, dream interpretation, and Amen. evangelism. So I'm so excited. That's exciting. Okay, so I feel led. There's uh, before we even uh, this morning, just as I was making my drink and getting ready to for this podcast, I was thinking about, I want to dive into some deliverance stuff. I just had a conversation with a bunch of gentlemen the other day, like basically say, well, how can I have a demon? Right. I mean, you hear it all the time, or how can I be a Christian and have demonic activity in my life? Whatever. I want to go down that road, but you hit on something that just caught my attention. And the quote you made is you said, you equip others in Christ. And the mm -hmm. first thing that I thought about was being healthy to equip. And the yeah. reason I'm bringing that up is because I've been saved now for 23 years. I've been around a lot of church, a lot of people, right? And what I've noticed is, right. is a lot of people are not healthy enough to see other people, quote, surpass them. If, 
Like there's this competition, right? It's like, I don't want to equip. I see pastors who don't want to equip, or I see other evangelists or people who are worried about, say, you or me. They don't want to allow us to come alongside them and pour into us because, quote, we might just do better than them or something stupid like that, right? Right. I want to get into that. How have you seen that? And how can people get healthy? Because that's really what it is. You have to be healthy and see your personal identity in Christ to not worry about that. So has that been a process for you by chance? Oh, yes. <laughs> Unless I grew up in an alcoholic abusive home, John. So uh, with that, it wasn't a Christian home. I mean, my life story pretty much looks like a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm grateful that I don't look like what I've been through. So. Amen. Well, you look <laughs> great. But through all of that and growing up in that kind of dysfunction and at that and at the age of 15, my dad left my, if you don't mind, I'm going to share a little bit. Yeah, about let's that. hear your testimony. Absolutely. Yeah. So you get an idea kind of why I, I know that God called me to do this. At the age of 15, I, uh, my dad left my mom for another woman. And then three days later, my mom went to a bar, shot him in the back. And then she went to the funeral home where my brother Jimmy, by the way, had been killed on that same day that he left us for another woman. Oh, my And so gosh. she went there to the funeral home for his body to arrive. And when his body didn't arrive on time, she asked to use the bathroom and she shot herself and she died. And so crisis hit our household like big time. It yeah. was already in turmoil with the alcohol abuse and all of that going on. But that just that was a milestone marker in my life, because yes. at that funeral, I found out how desperately I needed Jesus. Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And I've never turned back. Amen. Um, it's not been easy. I yeah. still made some stupid decisions and I still have ignored things, you know, in my younger Christian life that I shouldn't have ignored, like married a man who tried to kill me. <laughs> you know? So I had that kind of going on. Let me just let our yeah. listeners understand that when God tells you not to marry somebody, you better not marry. Better be obedient. huh? There's a reason. Yeah. So I was walking in disobedience and married somebody that God told me not to marry. And, you know, there's repercussions of that. When you disobey the Lord, you're going to pay the consequences of that. And so uh, for 19 years, I was in abuse, but I did have four lovely children. And I thank God for my children. Amen. That was the only thing good that came out of that union. Amen. But uh, I, I had a lot of healing yet to still do, John. From all of that. So I went in and I was in counseling probably three years just for the domestic abuse and just the things I learned growing up, the behaviors. I was right. pretty introverted. I was bullied. I was molested as a young child. I mean, I had a lot of baggage. I may have still been in Jesus, but that old bag was on my back. You know, yes, <laughs> I do. I totally know what you're saying. <laughs> So I was so grateful because by the time I was 38 or 39, I began to be set free from a lot of these things that that were in my life and holding me down. And it wasn't until then that someone spoke into my life and gave me my life verse, which is in Joshua 1, 9. And it says, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And you know what that told me, John? It told me that number one, I was going to grow a spine because I was pretty timid and introverted. And <laughs> I really couldn't really talk to people very comfortably. 
And so I knew that God was going to give me boldness. And then secondly, the last part of that verse told me I was going to be going places. (laughs) (laughs) I needed to pay attention, pay attention, wake up and pay attention. And and by that time in my life, I learned the critical importance of obeying Jesus because my life, like I said, was a train wreck from my disobedience. I thank God for teaching me that valuable lesson. And because I'd been through all of that and got equipping myself and felt inadequate even in the ministry when I was called yeah. to serve the Lord, I was 16, John. But I didn't understand why I felt like I was called to preach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that wasn't in the denomination that I was in, that women Could were not preach, allowed yeah. behind the pulpit. Yeah. <laughs> so I went like, what do I do with that? So I just stuffed that away for a long time. I thought that must be my flesh and not the spirit. God revealed to me later on that I, I was spot on or that he was spot on in telling me that. So do you feel like through everything you've been through and obviously getting healing and going through that process, it's allowed you, it's given you the desire to help other people as far as like, I guess that thing is like, I don't care if you pass me up or have a bigger ministry or have, because I just see that all the time and I don't understand it. I'm like, why are we not just all teaming up and honestly just giving Jesus glory for who he is and what he does and then helping each other. But instead it becomes an unhealthy competition and obviously it's demonic, but I guess to go circle around to my question is because of everything you've been through, it's allowed you to see others, I guess, for who they are in Christ and to help them. Yes. Well, it certainly humbled me, number one. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think what you're talking about as far as the competition, and I've seen that in the Christian circles, and it, it's a shame. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, the father's heart hurts over that. Mm. And it's really called pride. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. Amen. It's pride. And we know what pride did to Satan. It, he thought he was higher and better than God, wanted to be up above and exalted above God and everyone worship him. Well, he was cast out of the presence of God. And so if you have pride, you're not in the presence of God. You're walking in the flesh. Ooh, that's good. So that's a scary place to be as a believer. Yes, it's you. very scary. And well, God will start closing doors right in front of you. He'll close doors. Well, the scripture that always comes to my mind, it says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I just mm. I say, Lord, just guard my heart. I don't ever want to be prideful in area because I heard John Revere one time say he gave the analogy of a football player. And he said, it's like having a 300 pound linebacker standing in front of you. He said, you're not getting past them. Yeah. He said, when you have pride, you can keep hitting that wall as much as you want, but you're never, God will resist you. And I was like, oh man, I never want to deal with that resistance. Yeah, I know. No, thank you. Oh, amen, brother. I understand. Okay, so I'm excited about this. You said that you used to be kind of introverted, didn't like talking to people. I would never have guessed that in a hundred years. I would have figured you were always just bubbly and outgoing and just bold. At what point did you feel like that was like a spiritual shift? Something happened and all of a sudden you just felt this boldness and you're like, hey, world, here I am. Yeah, so initially it happened at my mom and my brother's funeral. When I accepted Jesus, I realized that I stopped looking down and I started looking up. I realized that he loved me. You know, the reality of Jesus' love in our lives, I'm sorry, the reality of that, knowing that you are loved that deeply changes you. It changes your perspective and it gives you the ability to have your chin lifted up. I mean, we stay humble. 
but God lifts us up and we can look at people in their eyes. I never did that before and started. Well, I still don't do it because I have an eye impediment, but (laughs) that's a joke. Anyway, I I do have an eye issue where only one eye works at a time. And sometimes when I look at people, they look behind them like, are you looking at me? (laughs) If someone's watching a video of this, they may wonder if I'm looking at the camera. I am. (laughs) Uh, That's hilarious. Jane, I want, there's a, I got to share this one time. You're talking about God's love. I think all of us struggle with it at one point and at times. Yeah. And this was probably like 10 years ago. And I was really struggling with just receiving God's love. And uh, I was, I'll never forget, I was sitting in Amarillo, Texas in the Trinity parking lot. I had driven up there by myself. I, uh, Casey couldn't make it that time. And uh, they were doing prophetic ministry. And I was sitting in the parking lot and I felt it was like Jesus was sitting next to me in, in my van and I felt the presence of God so strong. And he said, you're my favorite. And I just started crying. And I was like, mm. how could you even say that? Like, I couldn't even re- like receive it. And that went on for a short period of time while I go inside and I sit down and they, they always minister in teams of two or three. And uh, I sat down and uh, one of them looked at me and they, oh, it was a guy I remember. And he said, God wants you to know that you're his favorite. And man, I broke. I mean, yeah. I, I don't remember any other thing that was said besides right. that, because it, it was like he set me up in the parking lot to say that. And I doubted po- potentially what he was saying. And then it was confirmation when I get in there. And what I love about that is we're all God's favorite. Yes. You know why? Tell me. Because we're the bride of Christ. He Amen. The bride. Yes. Yeah. He's in love with the bride. <laughs> Amen. That's good. And if we're in Christ and he's in us, we're madly loved. Let's talk about, let's go a little bit around deliverance. So okay. let's talk about it. I, I feel like that is, uh, that's been huge in my life and in Casey's is, you probably know we have, I don't have, I have a very traumatic background, not quite as crazy as yours, but it's pretty traumatic. And so did Casey. And because of that, I just knew that I had crap and a bag of it and I needed to get rid of it. And I don't think that so many people realize we carry so much stuff that God never intended for us to carry. And he wants us to get rid of it. I want to hear your journey, how you got in deliverance and what that looks like and what you've learned. In those early parts of my of my Christian walk, I would find myself at the altar all the time trying to get rid of this baggage. You know, I actually started labeling it backpack Christianity. We go and we lay it all on the altar. And before we leave, uh, before we leave, we pick it all back up, put it back in our backpack and carry it away. We don't leave it at the feet of Jesus. Amen. I did that for 20 years. I just didn't leave it there. And is that because I didn't trust him? Probably. I probably did not have enough trust for that to be exposed. Let me say that. A lot of people carry that shame and that guilt, and they don't want to have that be exposed. And so in that, uh, lots of times you'll see a lot of that. But how I started hearing about deliverance and all of that was, I don't know if this name means anything to you, but Dr. Mickey Bonner was an evangelist out of Texas here. And I didn't did not live in Texas at the time, but he is the one who kind of mentored me in deliverance. I would say a little bit. I never was really taught deliverance, but he taught me how to pray, how to get into the throne of God and how to lay my burdens down. And he taught me about spiritual warfare. So he was my mentor and I called him pops. He's gone on to glory and he changed 
thousands, millions of lives while he walked this earth. But I was so grateful that God put him in my life for that. And so that's where I I received a lot of the things that broke off of my life, but I was still carrying things. So after the failure of my marriage and uh, being in counseling for almost three years, a lot of things started breaking off because my counselor also was a deliverance minister. Wow. Which I didn't even know. She never even told me that. (laughs) And so (laughs) she just would see something in me and start praying over me. And and then I had a passion to help other women that I could see. I had the spiritual gift of word and knowledge. So when someone walks by me, I can see, I get a download what's going on in their lives, you know, and I, and my heart would hurt and I'd want to help them. And so that's really where my passion comes from is that I want to see other women and even men be set free from the bondage and leave the backpack at the altar and just realize how much Jesus loves them, that we're not what we've been through, where we are his. It's not what we've been through that makes us us. It's that we're God's child and that he loves us. He's called every one of us to worship him. And if we come to that reality that we are not held back by the things that we've done or the things that have been put upon us, then we can begin to see a glimmer of hope and the light come and help us be able to walk the straight and narrow that God says, because that that's a narrow road and it's a narrow gate. Amen. And when you got that baggage, you're walking like this. (laughs) No kidding. So what do you think, like over all the years you've done ministry things you've seen, what do you think holds most people back? Uh, Shame and pride. Okay. Those are two things that hold people back. Shame, too embarrassed, shame. And pride, too prideful to admit that they need help. Amen. So what would you say to me or the audience to say, okay, I'm, I have an area in my life, I'm struggling and probably have shame or pride. Like what are the steps? And the reason I'm asking this is I want to give the audience because we've all been down this road. You and I obviously mm-hmm. have to get freedom. You have yes. to recognize this. What, do, what would you say to that? Well, the shame or the pride usually comes from something the shame for sure happens lots of times from outside things that have happened to us that we've held on to unforgiveness. Somebody has wounded our heart, uh, things like that. What we need to do is do some self-inspection. We need to see, is there some, am I holding a grudge against somebody? Am I, did somebody hurt me and I've never forgiven them? Were my parents controlling in my case, my, both of my parents were controlling. Yeah. So that's why they fought all the time. They, they were always fighting for control. <laughs> And so uh, in my case, I grew up under that. So you just learn to be a people pleaser. You just learn to be quiet. Don't say anything. Usually when they would start talking, I'd leave the room because I knew it was going to turn into an explosion. So it's the environment we grow up in. It's the people that we're around. It's sometimes the people that we model that fail. You know what I'm saying? We want to try to uh, not model the people that are modeling Christ, but they fall. So they have let us down and we're too prideful to admit that we need help that way. I say so many ministers go into the ministry, but they've never had deliverance themselves. And a lot of them don't think they need it. That's what I'm saying. They're so blinded that they they don't realize how desperate that they really are. And if we don't get to that place where Jesus said on the Mount that we are poor in spirit, we will never succeed. Not only just in life, we won't succeed as a parent. We won't succeed as a business owner or an employee. We won't succeed in the kingdom of God whatsoever. 
because basically we have to humble ourselves before a holy God. When you were talking about that, it made me think about, I got into deliverance ministry and learned a lot of it through Derek Prince. I found one of his books years ago and loved his stuff. I think it's the book, Thou Shall Expel Demons. He's kind of talking about his history and he was a pastor. And it's really interesting. He was a Cambridge professor. And and for those who don't know, you might know, very smart, very intelligent man. He was an intellectual. Uh, But what was fascinating, his theology did not meet his reality. And I mean that to say is he didn't believe in deliverance. He didn't think in any of that stuff. He was just like, he didn't know what to think of it, but it didn't line up with what he thought. And then somebody manifested, a lady manifested one day in his church and a young is an early pastor. And he had to sit there and self-reflect and say, okay, what I believe in the reality of what just happened don't match. And I need to find out why. Yeah. And I love that because he is as smart of a man. He was, he didn't think he was too smart for anything. He said, okay, what I think is wrong. And this is the reality of what's happening in his theology changed through experience. And sometimes people think that things like we can't have demons or those things don't exist until you meet one <laughs> and then, and then yeah. realize they're real, real fast. I was one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, I know exactly what you're saying. And I'm, I mean, back in the 90s, I think there was a couple that I had met who had. And this is before I met Dr. Mickey Bonner. And they were giving deliverance. I would just say deliverance ministry a bad name. Let's okay. just say it that way. They said, hey, do you want to get over this issue in your life? Well, sure. Come on over. We want to pray with you. And it wound up being they wanted to talk to demons. And and it was just really strange to me what they were doing. And and then when I left, they said, now, be careful. Those demons are following you home. <laughs> Good oh, grief. gosh. You just want anything to do with deliverance ministry after you hear that. You know? No so, kidding. But uh, so those are the people who give deliverance ministry a bad rap. Yeah. But deliverance ministry isn't like that. I I have people who think the deliverance ministry is like the exorcist, you know, the head spinning around deal. I've seen it all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you certainly have. And when you do deliverance ministry, you do see it a lot. Yeah. But I think what's interesting is that what we've found out here in Odessa, especially since my pastor came to me, I guess, about four or five years ago when he said, Jane, if I give you an office in the church, will you just take care of these women in the church? And he said, also, will you can use it for your ministry because I know you have an international ministry. You can use it for your ministry, too. I just need help. I mean, he wow. realized he needed help. And we had a lot of hurting people, a lot of people who needed deliverance. And it is only magnified since that ministry kicked off four years ago. It's very common now on a Sunday morning for us to have people at the altar manifesting. But I mean, to me, like, in that church. is church. Like that is real yeah. life. I'm like, if I can't go to a hospital in Amarillo because I cut myself or I'm hurt, what's the point of going to the hospital? Yes. Right. And that should be church. If I have baggage and I got this backpack full of stuff and I can't come to church to get rid of it, then what's the point of church? There you go. Why even go? Why yeah. even go? I mean, I'm, I'm coming to get set free because Jesus wants to heal me at the altar. Yeah. And they have no idea why they're there. We always have visitors. They have no idea how they wind up there, but they wind up at the altar They're They wind up being some who really need major deliverance usually. So God's calling them in and we're humbled by that. Of course, some other churches in the area, you were talking about how other ministers have an issue with other ministries that are successful and they don't want you to be more successful than them. We have some churches in town who, who are jealous. Yeah. Of that, that we have that ministry. And so, of course, they talk bad about you or belittle you or whatever. And, you know, you got to grow some 
some tough skin if you're going to be in the ministry. It's not for everybody. And if you can get out of the ministry, then get out of it. Because <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You said that these young guys coming up that I mentor, I mean, I'm to that age now where a lot of these guys around me are all younger. They're like, I want to do ministry and this and that. And I tell all of them the same thing. I said, it's not what you think it is. And I highly recommend not getting into ministry because you're going to do more ministry outside of the church than you are inside mm-hmm. of the church. And you have yeah. no idea what you're getting yourself into because it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> and you got to have some tough skin because people, uh, Christians, will they'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll get more ad- adversity from the Christians than you will from the non-believer. No kidding. Really? So- So Jane, I want to ask you, I always like hearing a moment in somebody's life. I call it that Moses moment where you're standing at the Red Sea, right? And if God doesn't show up, you literally have no other options. And I feel like, and I want to hear a story. Maybe you have one as a faith builder for people because all of us are going to face or have had a moment where you're standing at at the Red Sea. And if it doesn't part, then you're, you have no hope, but God always shows up. And I love that about him. Even maybe it's not how we think it's going to be, but he shows up. And I'm just curious if something comes to your mind where you were standing at that proverbial Red Sea and God showed up. Well, I I have several mile markers like that. Yeah, let's hear them. (laughs) Uh, One of them was not only when God called me and my husband Gayton, I married him in uh, 2002. And he that's a man after God's own heart. I'm telling you, I call him Gayton the Great. Anyway, we married and and we both that were very mission minded, both very evangelical. God called us to go serve in Africa for short term missions that in 2005. At that time, I still was not really preaching. I was doing the music. You know, I was being obedient with my music, but I really wasn't preaching. I would go and do a ladies conference every once in a while, but it it was pretty nil and void. When we got to Africa, and if you don't mind, it might be, I'll try to shorten this story. I used to have in my ministry, and I still do, but they were different people at that time, prayer warriors. And so they were praying into the Africa trip with us. And if they heard something from the Lord, they would call and tell me what's going on, right? So one of them called me three weeks before we left for Africa. And she said, Jane, I, I had a vision when I was praying for you about Africa. And I saw that you were going to go with the spirit of Esther and the kings of the land were going to hold out their hand and welcome you in. And many souls were going to be delivered because of that. And they're going to want to lavish gifts on you. I mean, the things that she said, lavish gifts on you. And you're not going to want to take them because you know these people are poor. But you must take those gifts because you'll hurt them if you don't Mm. take them. You'll hurt their heart. Yeah. Basically, that's what she said. And so three days before we left, another warrior called me. Now, mind you, none of these warriors knew each other. I did that on purpose. Okay. So then they could hear from the Lord, not each other. Yeah, absolutely. um, Three days before we left for Africa, another warrior called and she said, Jane, I was praying and I had a vision of you. It was like Esther. I heard that you were going to be like Esther going into the land of Africa and the kings were going to hold their hand out to you and you were going to be welcome. They were going to love you and lavish gifts on you. And the word that you speak is going to go out and many are going to be delivered. And I just thought, wow. These two people don't know each other. And so I just, uh, you know, John, I just put that in my heart and I pondered it and I thought, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, 
Then we got to Africa and we spent almost a month there. But what a lot of our job was to equip the other pastors. And we went to Rwanda, by the way. Okay. We were the first missionaries to go into Rwanda after the genocide. We went there and we were training the pastors and their wives because a lot of them who stepped into the ministry simply had picked up a Bible that their dad had. Uh, and their dad had been killed in that genocide and they just went on and wanted to be what their dad was. Right. Mm -hmm. So they didn't really have any training and some of their theology was off. So we would train them in that and then train them in evangelism. And the second or third day we were there, one of the pastors came from one of the close by villages and he, and he, all us women, we were all in the bottom of the hotel, just meeting down there and praying together. And he walked in and he said, I want one of your women to come and preach in our service tonight. I want my women to be blessed by your women. I wasn't in charge of this at all, by the way. We were invited. Okay. I wasn't over the group whatsoever. So the woman said, okay, we will pray. And so gave us the information. He left. We begin to pray. And as we begin to pray, the leader of the group, she bowed her head. And I mean, she goes, even before she said, Father in heaven, she stopped and she goes, I've already heard from the Lord. I mean, she was just like that. Wow. I've already heard from the Lord. And she goes, Jane, I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but I heard that you're to preach because you're our Esther. Mm. I Confirmation. had not told a soul. I had not yeah. told anybody. I just started weeping. And then mm. I shared with the women what that meant. Now, this pastor had told us there was going to be just the women there, maybe 60 women. Well, when we showed up, there was about 200 people there wow. and they could only fit maybe a hundred of them in their little church, but they had open windows, you know, and the rest of them, the men and the children sit out on the hill outside the church. I can remember getting up and going, Lord, I don't even know what to say to these people. <laughs> <laughs> Just take over. Holy Spirit, take over. That was my prayer. Take yeah. over. And when I got on that platform, the first words that came out of my mouth was, I want to share something of the father's heart with you. You know, the name of your country is a misnomer. Rwanda means the forgotten ones. But I want to let you know that I came 8,000 miles to tell you that God has not mm -hmm. forgotten about you. Well, they lost all control, started dancing and worshiping for 20 minutes. And we had just gotten <laughs> done with an hour worship service of dancing and worshiping. And I thought, boy, if every time I say something, we're going to break out and worship, <laughs> we're going to be here for a while. <sighs> but I just shared the simple, a simple testimony and the simple gospel message. And 60 people came to Jesus that night. And wow. I thought, Lord, what are you doing? And everywhere I went, I was treated like royalty. And when I would show up at the hotel, the clerk would say, hey, I got something back here for you. Someone dropped this off. And I kept getting gifts at the hotel desk. People would drop off gifts. Oh. We had so many gifts. I, I couldn't fit them in my suitcase. I said, what am I going to do? Well, I'll just give everything away that I brought in my suitcase and I'll have room to take the gifts. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, long story, but. But that was a crossroad in my life. And I believe a, a, a important mile marker because God showed me who he called me to be, you know, to share the gospel. And yes, that I was a woman, but men came to Jesus at night, too, that God uses women, even in men's lives, to Amen. share the gospel. That's good. You know, I want to hit on something I, I feel like is so important. Like when we see things like prophetic words. OK, so the word that you got was were kings 
we're going to give you gifts, right? So the yes. first thing I thought in my mind was, is like, and the natural king, right? With the crown, the whole thing was going to give you gifts. Now, could that have happened? Yes. But what people don't recognize is those pastors were kings of their territory, their domain, the very domain and the territory God had given them. They are kings and queens, the women, whoever, over the territories that God had them over. So yes. a lot of times people miss the prophetic word. We'd say, well, no, a king didn't come. Well, a king did come, but we spiritually can't see that they're king. We're all kings and queens in God's kingdom, right? That's the, right. What, what God's given us. And uh, I think sometimes people miss that. And that's such a beautiful word that you got because you did. You received gifts from kings and queens and people gave royalty, gave you stuff in the spiritual realm that we don't even recognize. Well, John, we went into many places in the jungle, just common areas and preached the gospel all the whole time we were there. And we had 10,000 come to know Jesus on that wow. trip. And you know how you when you're here in the States and a missionary comes and they tell you that 10,000 or 20,000 came to Jesus and you kind of go like, how many of those numbers are chalked up? You know, I mean, it doesn't make right, sense, yeah. people, right? Because we don't see the masses coming to Jesus here like that. So, right. But when you're in a foreign country like that, it is so different. And when that started happening, it'd be so remarkable. We would set up in the common area and they would say, Jane, now just go up there and start singing. Just start singing. And I go, okay. And and I'd start singing and people would just be coming out from underneath trees. And before Whoa. it was over with, thousands would be in front of us. It was amazing mm. what God did. It was miraculous. Yes. I mean, the greatest miracle of all is, is having Jesus as the Lord of your life, believing in Christ and receiving him as your Lord. and Savior. Yeah, especially when he's just flowing through you. Yes. It's so awesome. So, I, I was in tears. I started, I, I, I don't know if you saw me, I had to take my glasses off when you were talking about it. So about five, maybe six years ago, I was at a conference. They were just doing it as an exercise. They said, just, you know, just rest in the Holy Spirit, see where he takes you. And I'd never had this experience before, but the Lord literally took me out of my body. It looked like Google Earth. I came up into the atmosphere. I've told very few people this. So this is now public, obviously. I feel privileged. Well, so he takes me out of the atmosphere and the earth. I'm looking at earth and it moves. And then, you know, if you've ever used Google Earth, all of a sudden, like you click on a spot, it sucks you in like, right? It it, it tunnels you into that spot. Well, the Lord takes me to what I believe was Uwanda. And all of a sudden I'm with, I'm like in this truck or this car and we're going down and the Lord, the Holy Spirit tells me to start speaking life over their businesses and tells me to speak life over the water. And all of a sudden, as I'm speaking to things, they're happening. And he says, I want you to speak prophetic words, life over their commerce. And I started seeing like different things happening in the Lord. It was almost like an Ezekiel moment where he was saying, okay, I want you to speak life over this. Now speak to this. Now speak to this. And as I was speaking to it, I was watching it happen. It's an unforgettable experience. I've never experienced anything like that since, but it was like, I literally got just, I got taken out of Amarillo, Texas and transferred over to Africa. And I was speaking life over the people, over their businesses. And it was so cool. So anyways, as you were saying that, it brought me to that memory and just put tears in my eyes. Well, brother, as you were saying that, I want to dovetail something in because uh, you shared about speaking life. I'm going to tell you another milestone in our life or a mile marker about that God had brought us to the Red Sea and we had to cross it was Gaten and I were living in Colorado. Some pastor here in Nordessa, I never met him. 
reached out to me and asked if I'd come minister in his church here in Odessa, Texas. All I did was email him. I'll pray about it and let you know. When Gaten came home from work that night, I told him about it. He goes, well, let's take out a map and see where Odessa is and let's just start praying. And so we always do that. So we'd look at it and start praying and and uh, never got a yes. So I don't go if I don't get a yes. But, yeah. but we began to get a burden for Odessa, Texas. And we thought, mm-hmm. what in the world is that? <laughs> you know, I mean, we were like burdened so heavy for this area. And we thought we better check that out. Well, at that time, our son was going to Hardin Simmons and he and his wife had invited us down for Thanksgiving that year. And so the pastor had reached out to me in September. So October, we said we were coming down. And so we took the long way back and we drove through Odessa, Texas. And I don't know if you've ever been to Odessa, Texas. Been through it. Okay. Yeah. Just <laughs> want to keep going through yeah. it, right? So, I mean, there's no... We, I smelled it, I should why. say. You oh. can always smell oil and gas. It's like driving through Amarillo. You smell it, except it's cows. And the gas yeah. and the oil tank. Yes. But anyway, there's a reason why the town next to us is called No Trees. I mean, we have no trees here. <laughs> I mean, whatever trees are here are very sparse, but not beautiful. Nothing by the natural eye would attract you to ever want to come to Odessa. But as we drove through Odessa, my husband looked at me and I looked at him and we said, we're going to be moving here. And we went home, began to pray. And we didn't even know how God was going to do that. Right. So at the time we were renting a home. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money in the bank to buy a home or anything, but my Gaten, he says, he goes, honey, we're going to buy a home down there. And I said, we are with what? (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, no, we're going to buy a home. And I said, okay. He goes, I think we need to go down there in December and look at homes. And I said, in December? And he goes, yes. So he calls a realtor. We start looking at homes. And I mean, just long story short, God provided every cent up front to buy the home. And for us to live here for six months without a job until Gaten got a job and, and then Uh, We were here for maybe six weeks. Now, this is the part that triggered me when you said speak life. So I'm like, always wondering, God, why did you move us to Odessa? I just don't even know why we're here. And for those who aren't familiar with Odessa, Texas, it's very, it's like the desert. And it's really like a desert here. Yeah. Very dry, very hot. There's no beauty, really, except in the people. The people here are beautiful. And so I begin to pray that and really begin to intercede, Lord, Show me what it is that's here in Odessa for us. And I had a dream, John, and God speaks to me through dreams and visions as well. And so in the dream, I was flying over a land that I was not familiar with, but all I could tell, it was very dry and barren. And God told me in that dream, this is Odessa, speak life. And I spoke life over that land and a trees came up and grass came up yes. and birds were flying. It was just beautiful. And the Lord said, as I was flying on, I flew over another area. Same thing, dry, barren, the dirt. There was nothing, no way you could grow a thing in it. And uh, God said, this is Odessa, speak life. So I spoke his word over the real estate or the land. Amen. And then a river came, real big and just filled it up and birds and trees and grass. And there was so much life. He goes, Jane, I've called you to Odessa, Texas to speak life. Amen. Situations. Speak life into dead situations. And I thought, wow, that is a big thing to do. The next year, I didn't know if you could speak life into deader situations than this, but I was a chaplain for hospice for three years. So 
Oh, wow. <laughs> I really had to speak a lot of life into things. And, and I was able, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, thank you, Father, uh, speak life into some people. And they got off hospice and they're still alive today. You know? Amen. <laughs> so God was teaching me and showing us uh, and parting the Red Sea for us as we came to Odessa. And he's opened so many doors. I love stories like that because I think we put God in a box sometimes and we think he can only do certain things. And then he just shows up and does the craziest stuff, like (laughs) takes you to Odessa, Texas and provides a house and all those things. It's just like, if we're willing to allow him to lead, he can do anything in our lives. We just have to be obedient and willing. And that's it. Amen. So that's so good. Okay. So Jane, as we wrap this up, one question I never skip, and we skipped a lot of questions because I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Um, one of the things that I always ask though, if you could go back to the younger you, what age would you pick and what would you tell yourself? I would pick 18. And I would say, if God tells you not to marry somebody, don't marry them. <laughs> Get to know yourself. Get to know yourself first and who you are in Christ. So whoever God may bring into your life and give permission to speak into your life, they will not change what God has already told you about yourself. They won't tell you that you are somebody that you're not or how you need to act. And then just obey. The word says to obey is better than sacrifice. sacrifice. Amen. Obey the Lord. Even when things look ridiculously crazy, obey the Lord. Because like you said a moment ago, he will make a way. He's crazy good. Gosh, yeah. man, I just we could go on and on just stories. I'm just and just the audience. I just I cannot emphasize enough. Just if you're willing to be obedient, God literally can do things you never thought possible or even imagined just by saying, I'm willing. Like, yes, Lord, just take me. Okay, so as we wrap up, how does our audience find you and want if they want to be part of your ministry, find out more about you, your books, and your resources? Well, uh, I mean, like right now, they can go to uh, janemorn.com and they can learn a whole lot of things. If you don't mind, I like to plug SOAR Texas Women. Man, we're getting getting ready. Yeah, we're getting ready for the big SOAR 2022 next week. And that is, I already shared a little bit about my wife's coming. Casey's coming. My wife's coming. I know. She's going to come and teach our prophetic worship class. I'm so excited. Oh, wow. That's exciting. I'll be camping and backpacking and fishing. Yeah, yay for you. And resting in the Lord. There you go. So if they want to learn more about SOAR Texas women's events and sign up, the registration's free, John, but they have to register. And uh, time's running out. So they can go on over to SOARTexas.net and register. And uh, we would love to have, we have a few more seats left. And so they can register and we'd love to have them. Man, I am excited about that. That's going to be a fantastic event. So, okay. And then what would you like to leave as we part? What parting advice would you like to leave with our audience? Search the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your mind. Trust Jesus because his plan for your life, I guarantee I can tell you his plan for your life is so much better than your plan for your life. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I love it. All right. Thank you so much, Jane. Stay on as we wrap it up. We'll, we'll connect here in a second. So Roar Nation, if you got any questions, need any help, you're curious about deliverance ministry, getting set free from your past, getting rid of the backpack as Jane talked about, please go visit her website at janemorin.com. Also check out the women's conference, soartexas.net. I really encourage you. This is a time in a season. I cannot stress enough to press into the Lord. He is doing great 
and mighty things. I'm excited about it. Uh, for those of you who are in Amarillo, Texas, please be on the lookout for us. This podcast is brought to you by New Life Homes. We do remodels and uh, build new homes for people. That is how we provide for this podcast and uh, allow to share the gospel is obviously through our business. So please help spread the word for those of you, uh, you that are in uh, the Panhandle area. So I love you guys. If you have questions, need help, please reach out to Casey or myself. And remember, be real, be authentic, and be you. God bless. That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.